What are the benefits that we receive from faith in Christ? I know that's a big question. This is Wednesday, September 13th, and that's what we're going to look at today. What God provides to us flows like a mighty river pouring, outpouring an unending supply of resources and grace. Now, we might wonder why this is and how it works. Much of what we have received from God comes to us because of our union with Christ. We hear about this union as we listen to Jesus' prayer for us. In our text for today, this is John chapter 17, verse 22 to 23. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus repeats, I in you, Father, and you in me, in his prayer. So I think first to understand the benefits we receive from God, we need to see that union that the Father and Son enjoy. With this relationship between the Father and the Son, there is a mutual love and care, a communion, a unity, a sharing of all things. Earlier in Jesus' prayer, we heard him say, All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. That's verse 10. The extent of the mutuality of the Father and the Son reaches to everything, all that they have. It's a share and share alike connection. Indeed, even the disciples and followers of Jesus belong to the Father and are a gift to Jesus the Son. The love the Father and Son share is also a subject of Jesus' prayer. He prays, The love with which you loved me before the creation of the world. That's verse 24. The union of Father and Son is coming into focus. And by extension, we hear Jesus praying, May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. That's verse 21. This connection to Jesus that we have by faith extends to the Father as well. Yes, our union with Christ opens the way for this bond, this linking, you might say, with the Father. This means that all that the Father gives to the Son is by extension ours as well. And this is what it means to be in Christ. But there's more. Because you are in Christ, you are hidden in him. Your life is protected along with him. The Father sees you as he sees Jesus, because you are hidden in him. So, of course, the Father loves you with the same love that he extends to the Son. And we're going to consider this more later this week, is why we digest more of Jesus' prayer. But we also learn that not only are you in Christ, but Christ is in you. He dwells in you by his Spirit, creating a real and living bond between you and Jesus. In essence, because you have the Spirit, you have the very presence of the incarnate, crucified, and resurrected Jesus, the Son of God, dwelling in you. 
Paul, the apostle, ended one of his letters with this question. Do you not realize this about yourselves, that Christ Jesus is in you? That's 2 Corinthians 13, 5. You see, through Jesus, you're also adopted into the family of God. You become a son or daughter of God by the work of Jesus on your behalf. I remember years ago, first reading my parents' wills when they gave me a copy of it. They'd recorded all the instructions that were to be followed when they died, and they wanted me to know the decisions they had made. They extended rights to each of their children. You see, we have in Jesus received the rights of children of God, sharing in the inheritance that the Father has for Jesus and also for us. Now, all that I'm sharing here is just the tip of an immense iceberg. That phrase, tip of the iceberg, didn't mean much to me until I spent some time in the fjords of Alaska. One day, motoring near a glacier in Glacier Bay, we came across what looked like a rather small chunk of ice. We were in a small zodiac at the time. We encouraged one of the guys with us to do something we later realized, well, was pretty dangerous and foolish. We let him get out of the boat onto that iceberg. Let me tell you, the iceberg looked tiny, and the top of it was. But the ice had become so compressed in that glacier over time, and before it fell into the sea, that only a tiny bit was above the water. But in truth, it was absolutely immense, likely larger than a, than a house. Our friend had no trouble standing on it. He was completely safe. You see, we only grasp a small portion of what has been extended to us in Jesus. The rest lies below the waterline, out of sight, and yet, not yet in our experience. But that's not even the point. The point is, even though we grasp a little of this new reality in Jesus, we have the fullness of Christ now. Here is how C.S. Lewis explained this. The presence of God is not the same as the sense of the presence of God. It is the actual presence, not the sensation of the presence, which Christ begets in us. The sense of the presence is a super-added gift for which we give thanks when it comes. Now, did you understand his point? God gives us his presence. Though we may not yet sense his presence, this gift may come afterward. Our awareness of what has been given, well, it may not come for some time. And it may be experienced or sensed only on occasion or slowly. But the presence of Jesus you have right now. We know this because you have been united with Christ. You are in Christ, and Christ is in you. And this is what Jesus is praying about at this point in his prayer. There comes a day when you do know, and I think you do sense this, and then it's impossible for you to live your life otherwise. That's when you begin to live that new life. Let's pray. Father God, we feel like we've stumbled into the great storehouse of life. When we explore one room and think we've reached the end, a door is flung open to an even greater room. We now realize we shall not stop exploring the glory of your grace for all eternity and that the exploring world will never grow old because with each new discovery, we see more of you and your glory. Thank you for giving us such joy in you. 
For in the name of Jesus, we pray. 